Amy, we've got a bunch of little nieces and nephews between us, but we've also got a catch-all gift that all of our siblings love for their newborns. You're totally right, and it's Pampers Swaddlers, because Pampers Swaddlers wick wetness away to keep babies drier and subsequently parents happier. Pampers Swaddlers absorb wetness better versus the leading value brand and provide up to 100% leak-proof skin protection and up to 0% skin irritation. Pampers Swaddlers are dermatologist approved by the Skin Health Alliance. They're hypoallergenic and they're free of parabens and latex. Now you can try Swaddlers with new Pampers Free and Gentle Wipes for healthy baby skin. These wipes won't tear. In fact, they grip mess, shall we say, more firmly and clean better, leaving baby skin dry, soft, and smooth. For trusted protection, trust Pampers, the number one pediatrician recommended brand. Download the Pampers Club app today and earn Pampers cash. Redeem your Pampers cash for exclusive Pampers coupon savings and rewards. Only redeemable via Pampers Club. Pampers Cash has no cash value. It's a radio picture that has a very, very predictable ending. <laughs> what fresh hell. Laughing in the face of motherhood. You know, judge me if you must. With Margaret Abels and Amy Wilson. Why do I have to do everything? A podcast that solves today's parenting dilemmas so you don't have to. I like a lot of attention. Hey, everybody. Welcome to What Fresh Hell. This is Amy. And this is Margaret. And today, I was like, let's just do something silly and fun for this episode. Okay. Because I feel like we need a break from everything. And so today's topic is burning questions. And Amy and I are just going to ask each other things that we don't know about each other. We've been doing the podcast together for four years, so we know a lot of things about each other. Yeah. And the aim of these questions is to try to get at things we might not know about each other. I was pulling up my burning questions. Okay, I have a few burning questions ready. I'm not sure I have the assumption. This stuff always stresses me out. I'm like, do I have the right kind of burning question? I texted Margaret yesterday. I know Amy kept texting me and being like, what's his burning question? And I'm like, Amy, just anything. It's okay. I was like, give me a hypothetical. So I have something. Amy likes the kind of topics that are like, part one will be this, part two will be this. And I'm like, let's just wing it. Burning questions. So we'll see how it goes. It's a little more free form. All right, you go first. Who's your celebrity crush? Oh my gosh. (laughs) I'm so old that I'm trying to think of like somebody who would be relevant. I don't have one. (laughs) You don't have a celebrity crush? I don't. Tell me who yours is and maybe one will come to mind. I'll give you my oldie lock celebrity crush first. Back in my day. My original celebrity crush of my lifetime was young Pierce Brosnan. Now, a lot of the young folk out there know Pierce Brosnan as, what's the guy? The crime fighter, you know, spy. James Bond. Remington Steele. But that's right. I go back to the Remington Steel days and there was a mini series that was called, I think, like Taipan or something. It was one of those like, I mean, this is so 70s. In the 70s, there used to be these like epic novel kind of like spy thrillers, like everybody was writing them. And they made one into a mini series. And I was like 13, maybe. And I saw one starring Pierce Brosnan and I like cut pictures of him out of magazines and made collages with them. Like he was my huge celebrity crush. I was obsessed with him. I never went that level with anybody. I can think of two. I have thought of two. One is Idris Elba, who's that's like so cliche, but it's true. He's so, so handsome. How did I miss this guy? Everyone talks about Idris Elba. Like I've never seen him in anything. What am I missing? Oh, The Wire. Idris Elba plays 
Stringer Bell in this and like the Kingpin. Okay, that's it. I haven't watched The Wire, so that's it. That's how Michael B. Jordan got his start too. If I was like 25 years younger, I'd say he was my celebrity crush, but he's like a cute little boy to me. He's your celebrity child. The other celebrity crush I would have is the guy from Bridesmaids, like the cute Irish guy. I can't remember his name. Oh, yeah. He's just our style. What's his name? I can't remember, but I can picture him. Cute Irish guy from Bridesmaids. Yep, yep. So I'll say that. My huge current celebrity crush it's a little bit of um what's the word it's off the beaten track but tom colicchio do you know who that is (laughs) kind of he's like a bald chef that's on all the chef shows he's a bald celebrity chef i've always had a thing for bald dudes always that's always been like kind of wide set bald dudes has always been a weird type of mine and he's a wide set bald dude with a handsome face who can cook i'm like he's my perfect person okay david knows that if i get a shot with tom colicchio it's all over for us because i love him i really really love him. how about aladdin's genie how do you feel about (laughs) of course i love aladdin's genie that's exactly my type wide set bald dude and it's funny because i'm not married to a wide set bald dude but that's always been a type that i find like pitbull like anytime you see like a square shouldered, wide set, bald dude, you're like, that's the perfect person for me. I got a good question for you. Hit me. What's your favorite ride at Disney World? Any of the Disney parks? I'm not a huge Disney person, not hugely on my radar. So I know a lot of ones I don't like. I don't like the <laughs> weird boat with the animatronics. That's all of them. <laughs> yeah, I guess it's not really for me. There was a, what do you call it when there's like a myth that goes around it, everyone believes it, but it's not particularly true. Urban legend. Yes. In my town, we had, uh, growing up, there was a place called Playland. It's like a small amusement park. I mean, it's pretty big. Where prices go so low, 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 low. Yeah. Prices go so, Yeah. East Coasters, you all know Playland. So that was really close to us growing up. So we would go there and there was a boat ride called the Old Mill. And there was a rumor that a couple got bitten by a water rat in the boat. And that, I mean, I heard that rumor when I was like six years old. There was a million, there was also, I mean, Playland was the kind of place that threw off a lot of urban legends. There was always like, you know, two nuns flew off the Mighty Mouse and died. Like it was was like, you look back as an adult and you're like, why would two nuns be riding the Mighty Mouse? But it was a place that spawned many an urban legend. And so when I was a very young child, someone told me that they got on the old mill and they realized there was a huge water rat in their boat and it was biting them through the whole ride and they couldn't get off. Wait, you have firsthand knowledge of this or somebody? No, no, it's an urban legend. I'm sure it never happened. Okay, yes. Playland, did you? Let me just say, this is, I'm sure, not true. Playland, you know, (laughs) don't come after us. Like, this is an urban legend. But ever since then, I've had a fear of small boat rides. And so Disneyland, too many of those for me. Yeah. We went to the one in California, which is Disneyland, right? Yeah. And there was a cars ride with like really cool replicas of the cars cars that was kind of like half roller coaster. That was a great ride. Okay. But I don't know. I'm not into Disney World. I love Disney. I'm not a like, I didn't like go there for my wedding or anything, but (laughs) but I do. I'm always up for a trip to Disney. I would rather go now. I mean, we actually had... I always said, we'll go once with all the kids. And so then I have three kids and the youngest was too young. Like, I'm like, I'm not going to spend all that money and she's not going to remember it. So this year, then Star Wars Land was supposed to open. My boys are into Star Wars. So we kept pushing it back, pushing it back. This year was the year. I mean, we saved for a year. We had a fund every time we made any money. It would go in the Disney World Fund. So September, we were supposed to celebrate my son's my oldest 12th birthday at Disney World. And we canceled, obviously. So we're hoping next year. I would go as an adult more. Life feels like dragging the kids around is kind of a drag. 
Oh, it's so fun. And I have a friend who goes for the Epcot Food and Wine Festival every year with a group of adults. And I heard about this. I'm like, can I come? Like, I don't know any of you guys, but I will punch in for that. And of course, that didn't happen either. But I'm all for it post pandemic. I feel like I would be into that, like a fun adult trip. Yeah, I mean, I have no hate for Disney World or Land in my heart, but I, there's nothing that comes to mind when you say, what's your favorite ride? Okay. What's your desert island meal? One food for the rest of your life. Oh, God, something Italian. I'm going to say like sort of chicken parm with spaghetti. Mm, that sounds pretty good. Do I have an oven there? <laughs> I mean, you just have for whatever reason. We haven't really established. You're on a desert island and no one will rescue you, but a plane does drop you chicken parm every day. Yeah, with a cheese nicely browned. Yes, exactly the way you like it. Exactly the way you like it. Why they don't pick you up and bring you to shore, we haven't quite solved that problem. Oh, I have another good show, The Wilds on Amazon Prime. What is that? Again, it's basically Lord of the Flies now with teenage girls instead of teenage boys. It's very good. It is not for kids. There's lots of mature content, let's put it that way, but it's very well done. If you like Desert Island. The Wilds. I've never even heard of it. Yeah, it just came out. It just launched like a week or two ago. I find during the pandemic that I can't interact with TV shows. Like, it, you know, when you have a bad, you know, cold or stomach flu or something, it's like you can't even watch TV. That's what the pandemic has reduced me to. <laughs> we watch one episode of Top Chef every night. That's all I can handle right now. Okay. It's like, did the green beans turn out or not? That's all I can handle. Okay. I understand. I can't follow characters. I can't get invested in people's problems. It's too much for me right now. If you could have one kind of candy for the rest of your life, what would it be? Hmm. You know what we're really realizing? We're not into each other's stuff because I don't care about candy. Yeah, I don't like candy. If you said to me I could never have candy again, I'd be like, I don't really care. If I could only have one kind of candy for the rest of my life, it would be frozen mini Snickers bars. That's one thing I do really like. Okay. Like the Halloween size, you mean? Like the like sort of fun size? Yeah, fun size. So it's like a bar. It's not the square. Those are horrible. It's the bar size. It's a fun size. Why are the square ones horrible? They're too small. The snicker, the chocolate to nougat ratio gets all off in the tiny ones. You've got to have the small little, but like a huge Snickers bar, who would ever eat that? It's like six days worth of food in a bar. But a small frozen Snickers bar, and I can probably eat 10 of them, which is the same as eating a big Snickers bar, but at least I don't feel bad about mine. Which is the one, so there's like Snickers, Milky Way, and Three Musketeers, and like you can barely get daylight between two of them. Snickers has the peanuts. Okay, so I understand that's a separate thing. I mean, Snickers are amazing and Milky Way and Three Musketeers are trash. Like, they should not exist. One of them is just nougat. I think that's Three Musketeers. That's Three Musketeers. They're horrible. Has two ingredients. Horrible. It's like a chocolate-covered pillow. It's awful. (laughs) Yes. And then Milky Way has the... Milky Way is Three Musketeers with caramel, which doesn't solve the problem of eating a pillow. It's horrible. You need the crunch, the sort of, yeah, you need the the mix, the yin-yang of the pillow and the crunchy peanuts. What's an absolutely forbidden food for you? What do you mean? Like, you really wouldn't eat it for a $100 bill. Beets? Beets. I mean, everyone hates beets, I think. Do you like beets? I mean, I don't really eat beets, so I guess not. They're gross. They're slimy. They're red. Right. They were never on our childhood table, not canned, not fresh. I feel like it's a thing now. I feel people are into hipsters like beets, and so now everyone's into beets. Yeah. Yeah. Like, here's duck breast with beets, you know, at a restaurant or something. I'm like, what? No way. I don't think I mind the taste of them, like if it was a beet sauce, but like that gelatinous, like 
ring that cranberry sauce look yes i don't want any gelatinous foods like cranberry sauce is gross but like beets are they just like a giant radish and like there's something about canning them that makes them into that weird purple saucy thing or that they always sort of slimy and purple i honestly don't know amy this is why we need your research i have no beet facts available to me at all (laughs) i don't really even know what a beet is i know that they're gelatinous and kind of gross what's your desert island meal i never got that answer from you This is a hard question because I love food so much, but my desert island meal is definitely in the Asian family of foods. It might be like a sushi roll with like tempura something on top and a little like creaminess because that hits a lot of my Asian loves. Like an aioli. And then I would like some pork fried pan dumplings on the side. So it's like a full meal. That would be me. You know. I had this conversation recently with my 16-year-old. If you could only eat one sort of cuisine for the rest of your life, what would it be? And I was like, easy Italian. But then he brought me over to Asian because there's so much variety within that. He gets very mad. Like, he gets very mad at Asian fusion restaurants. He thinks that they shouldn't exist because that's not a thing. Oh, (laughs) I love Asian fusion restaurants, but I love everything Asian food. But when you come down to eating one cuisine for the rest of your life, he's like, no, it has to be Asian because look what you got. You got the sushi, you got the Thai food, you got the noodles. I'm like, okay, you're right. I'll come with you over to the only Asian for the rest of my life. Yeah. This is like a classic dinner table question and we get in long fights about it. Amy, what was your first job ever? My first job ever. Oh, I know this. Now that I ask it, I know it. But go ahead and tell people because I remember this. I worked as a secretary at my parish rectory after school, starting in ninth grade. I did it three days a week after school. Had to wear, I remember I had to like, look nice, like I had to be business casual, couldn't wear jeans. I typed the bulletin on a typewriter, like put long strips of paper into the type, what it should say, and had to start over if I messed up and counted the collection and had dinner with priests made by a chef. What? How old were you? I was 14. How were you not like embezzling money? You know, I mean, come on. They trusted you with that. You were a good girl. I didn't actually count the money. Back in the day, you'd like put your name on an envelope. Your name would be on the envelope and you'd write that you gave, you know, $5 or $20 or whatever it was. And I counted those and I kept track. That's pretty impressive for 14. Mm -hmm. Good girl. Mm -hmm. My first job was as a Baskin Robbins scooper. And it was a pretty bad job. It was fine. It was always like, you know, stoner teenagers in town were into Baskin Robbins. It was a fun group of people. And I did get pretty good at making a ice cream cake. Baskin Robbins wasn't a thing where I grew up. So I was going to ask you what's your favorite Baskin Robbins flavor. But I realized like you can still tell me and all, but I won't know if it's good or not. I will tell you because people think it's gross. And it is not only my favorite Baskin Robbins flavor. It is the only flavor of ice cream I really eat and enjoy. Every once in a while, a scoop of Haagen-Dazs vanilla on like another thing, an apple pie. But the only ice cream I truly love, and I think it may have, what do you call it, been discontinued. Baskin-Robbins pink bubblegum ice cream. That was the only ice cream I ever truly loved. So good. It's delicious. I love it. If anyone knows where you can get it, I will love you forever because I think it's been discontinued and I still have dreams about it. Love it. I had a supplement recently. It shall remain nameless, not a sponsor. And like one of these things, like stir up a glass every morning and it tasted like bubblegum. It was bubblegum flavor. And I almost regurgitated the whole thing. It was, I don't even like bubblegum that much, let alone other things that like makes me think of cold medicine or something. You're wrong. We'll be right back. Margaret, I've got a go-to baby shower gift that I give whenever there's another newborn in my life. Can you guess what it is? Amy, three guesses. First two don't count. It's Pampers Swaddlers. 
Exactly. Pampers Swaddlers keep baby skin dry, happy, and healthy. Pampers Swaddlers absorb wetness better than the leading value brand and provide up to 100% leak-proof skin protection and up to 0% skin irritation. Pampers Swaddlers are dermatologist-approved by the Skin Health Alliance, hypoallergenic, and free of parabens and latex. Try Swaddlers with new Pampers Free and Gentle Wipes for healthy baby skin. These wipes are five times stronger, gripping mess more firmly, shall we say? and making diaper changes a breeze. For trusted protection, trust Pampers, the number one pediatrician-recommended brand. Download the Pampers Club app today and earn Pampers cash. Then redeem your Pampers cash for exclusive Pampers coupon savings and rewards. Only redeemable via Pampers Club. Pampers cash has no cash value. Margaret, Father's Day is on its way. It is the most difficult gift-giving day of the year. Amy heard. I mean, (laughs) what do you get a guy who has no idea what he wants? You give him what he needs, a hat for all the outdoor activities he has planned for the summer that will probably be a total upgrade to what he's wearing now. If you need a gift for the dads in your life, check out Melon Premium Headwear. Melon hats last five times longer than any other hat out there. They are super durable, comfy, even antimicrobial. Unlike most hats, they don't hold on to sweat stains or odors, and they are, that magic word, washable. And they look really sharp. Melon hats have true craftsmanship and details that make them look really slick and fashionable. My husband wears a hat all summer and I can tell he's going to be wearing the melon I got him on the regular. Let me tell you, it is a big upgrade. Melon has lots of styles and sizes to choose from or give the dad in your life a gift card for him to choose his own hat. There's even a fit quiz on the website for helping guys determine the style that would suit them best and what size they should get. Go to M-E-L com and use the code FRESH at checkout for 30% off your order. If you're trying to figure out a Father's Day gift, trust us, this is exactly what they want. Go to com and use code FRESH at checkout for 30% off. Melon rarely offers discounts, so don't miss this opportunity. All right, I have a follow-up question on your first job. What was your worst job ever? Don't say hosting a podcast with me. That would be insulting. (laughs) My worst job ever was cold calling. I was hired by a fuel oil company to call the people who had stopped using their services and to ask them if they wouldn't like to start using their services again. And fully 75% of them were like, you know, Mr. Hugh Cable isn't here right now because he died five years ago. How dare you be calling us? It was awful. I don't think I got one you know, lead. I don't think I got anybody to sign up again. It was bad. <laughs> you were totally Glenn Gary, Glenn Ross. You're like, I need the good leads. Oh, it was awful. That's a real theater nerd reference, guys. If you got it, I'm very proud of you. I was going to say, I worked one day as a temp at a factory making cardboard boxes. That was the worst job ever. I mean, it was screamingly loud. Like scoring sheets of cardboard into box sizes? I don't know. Somehow we were making cardboard boxes. That was what we were doing at this thing. Like, yes, I don't know. I was on an assembly line. Like it would come to me and I would have to do one thing. I don't remember what it was. And it was like, picture a buzzsaw cutting through a piece of metal. That's the sound (laughs) of the entire place all day long and then the box would come to me and I had to fold something like just a billion times in a row and it truly was that thing I'm like it must be almost break time and at you know 10 13 I would look at the clock and I'm like okay I'm not gonna look again I'm not gonna look again it must be lunchtime and I would look back it would be like 10 17 like I could not believe how slowly time was going and at lunch break I just ran away I didn't go back 
I was a waitress for one day. I did one shift as a waiter and was like, not for me. I was, you know, like struggling actor and making my way in New York City. And my I was a temp in offices and my roommate was a waiter. I was just like, why don't you wait tables? It's so much better. It's so much this. And so cash. He got me a job at his restaurant and I worked one day. I mean, I just got yelled at by the people in the kitchen, by the customers. There was this arcane system of plates at this restaurant. It was not a nice restaurant, P.S., but it was like if somebody orders the hummus sandwich, I have to hand the prep cook when I say hummus sandwich, like plate A. But if they want a hummus platter, it's plate T. <laughs> and there were all these different plates and nobody told me like there was no like list there's no system and nobody told me this until I was in it they're like this is the wrong kind of plate it's not a salad then the uh, customers were yelling at me that their food was taking too long and I'm like you got to be kidding me I never went back I don't even think I went back to get my money I think I was done after one shift you just ran away yep yeah, that's how it was with the box factor. I was like, keep the change, gotta go. I waited tables a lot. I'm a pretty good waitress. I'm a pretty solid waitress. It's hard. I'm diplomatic, so I get along well with the back of the house and the front <laughs> of the house. I like talking to people. But yeah, I mean, it's not the greatest job. They often do studies where they rank like the most stressful jobs. And waitress is always higher than like brain surgeon because... You have no control. That's what makes waiting tables so stressful. Like as a brain surgeon, if you're a good brain surgeon, you just do your brain surgery and you're good at it. And whatever happens during the brain surgery, you're in charge of. But they say that when you are in a position where you have no control, that's the most stressful. Yes. Makes sense. Yes. Basically, like someone's yelling at you that their burger's not ready. And then you go back to the kitchen and they yell at you to tell them to shut up. And you're just stuck in the middle of two people, you know? You're always in the middle of opposing forces. I really like the Island of the Misfit Toys vibe. We've talked about this before, the B video. And restaurants tend to really be full of Islands of Misfit Toys, and I enjoy that element of it. Like, everyone's, you know doing something else. It's their second job. It's for people who like can't function at an office. I find that aspect of it really, really fun and appealing. Amy, what's your secret shame show? I cut it out of my life. I love it. You're like, I have excised my secret shame show and I will. Just in case you need a reference, people, your secret shame show is like uh, love to lock up or whatever, you know, 90 day fiance. You don't really want people to know you watch it, but you're obsessed with it. My uh, secret shame show was Real Housewives of certain varieties only. Yes, of course. There's only certain ones you can watch. Yeah, there's only certain ones I would watch uh, Beverly Hills in New Jersey. I would still watch New Jersey. If you put it on the TV, I would not be able to walk away. But I decided that it was, you know, killing my brain cells and it just wasn't good. And the other thing we had to sort of the secret shame show I had a ban from my house. We talked about this was Dance Moms. My daughter had it on like all the time during the beginning of quarantine. And I just was like, this is just toxic. It's just like toxic, bad energy. It's just women yelling at each other for completely made up reasons. Right. In my open plan kitchen living room. No, thank you. Yeah, I, I, people talk about Dance Moms. I don't know it. Don't start. She liked it because my daughter is a dancer. And it's these, you know, 10, 11, 12-year-olds who are going to like tournaments every weekend with stage moms behind them and who all sit on the carpeted stairs of like Miss Patty's dance, whatever, and yell at each other about who got a bit better solo this week or whatever. It's depressing. That's what it is because it's mothers living through their children's quasi-accomplishments. You know what I mean? 
I feel like all of the Secret Shame shows are depressing fundamentally. Like it's basically like watching people make bad life choices so that you feel better about yourself. What's your Secret Shame show? I mean, I think people mostly know that my Secret Shame show is The Bachelor and The Bachelorette. I love them. I get way into them. I have not watched. There's a new season. I don't know. For some reason, in quarantine, again, I'm like, who can follow all these people and their names? Like, I'm very low functioning, but I do love The Bachelor. And is it wrong for women to compete for a man's attention and a rose? It is wrong. Like, do am I proud of it? No, but I like The Bachelor. I don't know, and, and I enjoy it. I can't believe I've never started because I know not to. You know what I mean? Like, okay, there's 25 seasons of this thing. I am just not even going to touch it. But I am surprised by the number of women who I think really have their act together who love The Bachelor. Or The Bachelorette. Yeah, I mean, it's a secret shame show. I would never say this at a, I mean, I'm saying it on the podcast, but I mean, it's not like something I go to the, it's like I go to a cocktail party. I'm like, has anyone seen The Bachelor? It's such a great show. Like, it's a secret shame show for me. And when they show those like house parties where people are like, you know, you probably don't know this, but on The Bachelor, they often towards the end go and surprise Bachelor viewing parties of which, you know, there's 500 people in a room in the olden times. And I'm always like, I'm amazed that these people are willing to be on TV admitting that they like The Bachelor because it's a secret shame show for me, but it is mine. And, you know, judge me if you must. All right. What do you got for me, Amy? I have a good college admissions question. My son right now is applying to college and every college gives you like slightly different essay questions to answer. I think trying to cut the number of applications they get from 100,000 to like 90,000, they make it a little bit of a pain. So... This was a question that was on one of his applications. There was a bridge on campus. I thought you were going to say, what was your college essay about? And I was going to laugh and be like, do people remember that? But no, you don't remember what your college essay was about, I'm assuming. Uh, I found it recently. So I remember what my college essay was about. It was not good and would not have gotten me into the school I got into now, for sure. It was just very general. It just was like, here are some things about me that I think it took me about 20 minutes to write. Yeah, the good old days. Yeah, these take a little more work now. But this question was, there's a bridge on campus of the school, I guess, where kids like go up and like spray paint messages and hang signs and stuff, which they let them do because it's a thing. And they wanted to know, what would you write? What would be your message on that bridge for everybody to see? Hmm. Don't start watching The Bachelor. You'll never get out. (laughs) That's kind of a tough one, right? Sorry. I don't have a celebrity crush. (laughs) I mean, what do people say? Like carpe diem? I don't know. I mean... It's like, what's your personal slogan? I have an expression that I love. It's very useful. It comes from my roommate from college who is, they live in Alaska and her husband has been going up to Alaska to build a house that they're going to move to. And it's really in the wild. It's like he has to wear an alarm so that if he falls, he can hit this alarm because there's no one around for like hundreds of miles, basically. You know, I'm exaggerating as usual, but you get it. Very remote cabin. And there's a cabin, what do you call it? Journal, like a log where you write down. And the first day was like, I put up the door frame and I mismeasured it first. So I had to recut it. And he just keeps a journal of how the house construction is going. All this to say, one day she was looking through the log of what he had done. And on one day, it just said in huge letters, attempt nothing. And it was... (laughs) underlined 12 times and it has become such a catchphrase in my life like you know when you're like let's organize a card gift exchange for the teachers and 
then like everyone's like, this is a bad idea because of this and I can't give. And why did you say $20? I'm only giving five. And then I just think, oh my God, attempt nothing. So that might be what I write on the bridge. Attempt nothing. That's like, yeah, I'd like to think that I wouldn't do like, you only live once or whatever. We in college, I was in a comedy group with Margaret's sister in college and we saw scrawled somewhere graffiti that said criticize Evan and... (laughs) You know, we didn't know what it meant, but it came like the central like rallying cry of our comedy group for like 10 years was criticize Evan. So, yeah, if you're going to write something on a bridge, it should be really random because it'll stick in people's heads more. Yeah. But I don't think you can write that on your college essay. I was recently talking about I used to live among stranger people. Like I said, my people are the misfit toys, right? Like I waited tables and I was in comedy clubs and blah, blah, blah. And moving to suburbia has been a little bit of a lesson in like reshaping my messaging, you know? And one time we were at a paint night and I was painting. My picture went terribly wrong. I decided to improvise and it turned out really looking like a serial killer did it. And I turned to somebody next to me and I was like, oh, well, I guess when I shoot up the bank on Monday morning, you're going to not be surprised. And she really looked at me with like this complete look of horror. (laughs) Like, why is this lady talking to me about shooting up the bank? And it's like you have to kind of adjust your messaging to your crowd. You know what I mean? Sometimes when you're just meeting people, it's not the right time to make a joke. It is like a a horrible realization when you realize you've made a joke to somebody who does not have a sense of humor, right? And like this is gone. Or just doesn't have your frame of reference, you know? It's like it's a different frame of reference. And the jokes that play at 3 a.m. with your comedy store buddies are not the same jokes that play at Paint Your Own Picture Night at the community center. And it took me a little while to learn that lesson. Conversely, the same jokes that kill with your four-year-old, right, at dinner don't really translate when you try to go back to the comedy club. They don't get it. No. Whose feet are these? (laughs) That my hilarious routine with my baby, it doesn't play at the comedy club. Doesn't work. I have a truly burning question for you, Amy, when we return. So for at least two years now, I have been mentioning how I'm working on a book, you know, just working it into our conversations, real casual. <laughs> Let me tell you, behind the scenes, nothing casual about it. Amy has been like, ah, I have to finish this book. When am I ever going to finish this book? I have finished the book. It's really happening. And Happy to Help is now available for pre-sale. It's coming out January 2025, but you can pre-order a copy now on Bookshop or Amazon or wherever you shop for books. I am one of the very lucky few who has gotten to read Happy to Help already. And I have to say, it's a phenomenal book. Even if it was not written by my beloved work wife, Amy Wilson, (laughs) I would tell you to go get and read this book. I have told so many people I know, just wait in conversations it comes up and I'm like, oh my gosh, that's just like something from Amy's book. Wait until you read Amy's book. And the wait is almost over, people. Soon you will all be able to read Amy's book. I cannot wait for everyone to read it. You will probably hear us mention Happy to Help just a few times in the coming months. (laughs) Just a few thousand times. But for right now, please consider supporting it by pre-ordering a copy. Friends, I'm going to tell you, pre-order, you're like, I'll just get it when it comes out. Really helps a book sales if people pre-order it. So do us a solid. Go today and pre-order a copy of Happy to Help by our own Amy Wilson. You just go to wetfreshhelppodcast.com and click the link in the sidebar, or you can search Happy to Help wherever you buy books. Thank you. Hey, are you a parent of a teenager? Are you feeling overwhelmed about how to be what they need while also holding limits and boundaries that keep them safe? Are you tired of conversations that negate how messy this season of parenting is? 
Well, I've got you. My name is Casey O'Rourke. I am a positive discipline trainer, parent coach, and the host of the Joyful Courage podcast. Every week I come to you with an interview, digging into tough topics with experts I trust and solo shows that go deep into the personal growth and mindset needed to raise teens in a way that grows them into confident, capable young people. I am not afraid of getting real about the intersection of conscious parenting and the teen years, while also bringing in vulnerability, humor, and lightness. I'm walking the path with you and honored to serve. Listen to Joyful Courage on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you consume podcasts. And now... Things you will say this week as you prepare for Christmas. From the What Fresh Hell podcast. We're not going to go crazy this year, okay? We're going to keep it simple. Who wants hot chocolate? Can I get you a nog of some kind? I have an overwhelming desire to hand out hot drinks. Honey, we need to lock down the schedule for your family's Christmas Zoom so we can lock down the schedule for my family's Christmas Zoom. Oh my gosh, I love your Christmas mask. It's so jolly. I am spending like three full hours a day tracking packages here. Why would you take it from San Antonio to California when it's going to Miami? I hid the presents and now I can't find them. The last thing I remember is thinking, this is a really good hiding spot. The kids are never going to find them. No, no, you can't change your mind about what you want from Santa. The Santa thing is locked at this point. Mom, we just don't feel comfortable coming there for Christmas because you went to a party last night with 20 strangers. It doesn't mean we don't love you. Oh my God, how did we end up with 300 presents? I promised myself we were going to keep it simple this year. I can't believe I have to make another trip to Target. Well, I guess we blew it on the holiday cards this year. I still can't find the presents. Honey, have you seen them? No, darling, we didn't get anything for your cousin Cheryl. Were we supposed to get something for your cousin Cheryl? Stop doing Fortnite dances on your science Zoom class. There is still time for the elf to tell Santa about this. I don't know. I just love Christmas. This has been Things You Will Say This Week As You Prepare for Christmas. From the What Fresh Hell podcast. Amy, are you ready? I am. You're going to have to think about it. I want a real answer. How long do you survive in the zombie apocalypse? Oh my gosh. I think that I would have some organizational skills, but I think at some point I would kind of be kind of fatalistic about it. Like I was thinking about this watching The Wilds, the show about the desert island. Like at some point, do you just be like, okay, I'm going to die here. So I might as well hurry up. Yeah, that's me. I mean, I always say like, I am not a survivalist. I'm a deadvilist. Like (laughs) I don't want to survive anything. I don't want to. I had a very minor surgery a year ago in a very uncomfortable place. I'm not going to get into it. But I was like, when people say they don't want to live like this, I said to my husband, I'm like, I don't want to live like this. Like, I'm vaguely (laughs) uncomfortable. I would not survive a zombie apocalypse. Yeah. I know people who would be great at it, but I have no useful skills. Zero. Yeah. I can't make a fire. I can't kill an animal. I can't cook anything. Like, I would survive zero days. Yeah, I would end up in charge of who's going to have the last, you know, bag of M&Ms from the plane before it crashed or something. And I wouldn't want to. You'd be like, could someone clean these brains up, please? Who left these here after eating them? Why do I have to do everything? Why do I have to always clean up the brains and sharpen the knives? 
What is something you still want to be when you grow up? Like if you could just start over and do something new and you could be anything, what would you be? Do I have to have skills though? This is my thing. No, 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 no. Like you snap your fingers and you have those skills and you are at the top of your field in this thing. 100% easy. I would like to be a singer. That's, I mean, I would like to be Madonna. I would like to be a huge Uh 80s pop star. That was always my dream. I don't sing very well. Not very talented at dancing. And unfortunately, as I've gotten older, I've kind of realized that like, that's actually not that fun a life. But... When I was young, I mean, we've already discussed that I was a huge Madonna wannabe and like that was my dream. I mean, I would dream about Pierce Brosnan and being Madonna. Those were the two things I wanted to be. I still want to be like a backup singer, which I think is a good life. Like I want to be the do, 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 do. You're on the stage, but you're not famous. Have you watched that documentary? There's a documentary about. Yes. Yes. 50 feet from stardom or something. It's about backup singers. Yeah. I've always wanted to do that. I have an acquaintance, not a friend, who was a massage therapist and she traveled with a very, very famous band as the massage therapist to the lead singer. I mean, this was legit. The person had back problems from being a rock star. And so she was, they call it like first five or something. It means that you travel. There's five people who are on the like always with the band list. It's like their manager and their blah, blah, whatever. And she was first five with this huge internationally famous band And she did it for a year and I think it was pretty fun, like private jets and, you know, what's that famous hotel, like Hotel de Cop or something, you know, like these famous hotels you hear about, like unbelievably luxury accommodations. But the travel would get tiring, don't you think? Yeah, the travel would get tiring, but at least she could like leave the hotel and go about her business and you know what I mean and not have screaming people waiting for her and like no see that's the part I like I like the part of going out to my balcony and everyone screams my name I find that very appealing oh you do want that yeah I remember a realization in college talking to my college roommate about weddings I think and she's like whenever I think about getting married I'm like being in a big dress where you're the center of a hundred people's attention and everyone's staring at you she's like I actually don't think I could do it and I'm like that's my best day. I want that day every day. Like I I like, I like a lot of attention. That's acting. But fame is sort of different. Like I think the lucky people are the people who have the trappings of fame, but not the inability to pump their own gas without somebody taking their picture. Yeah, I guess. I find it extremely appealing, but I bet that it would be a drag in real life. But like, <laughs> you think you do, but right. Yeah, I would want, if I could try any lifestyle for a year, it would be internationally famous pop star. All right. When I grow up, I want to be an FBI profiler catching serial killers. I mean, you do that at home by watching a lot of crime shows. Yeah, I want to be like... Jodie Foster and Silence of the Lambs. Amy, I'm not here to rain on your parade. But do you know that FBI profiling is has been basically proven to be total junk science? Mine wouldn't be. That there is really no such thing as FBI profiling. Yours would be awesome. Yours would do it. I would solve good crimes. I would solve cold cases. Yeah, they've looked at like a lot of profiles and they're all like, it's a loner white male. That's what they say every time. (laughs) And then it turns out it's like 36 different people. And it's like, oh, okay, maybe this isn't a thing. But you would be good at it. Yeah, yeah. I'd be good at my imaginary. Don't yuck my yum. I won't yuck your yum. All right. (laughs) Good job. You'll love it. What's your favorite smell? Like if you had like, I don't know, do you like candles? And what what smell would it be? I, as we established on a recent episode, I'm a super sniffer. I can smell everything. And so I have to be really careful with scents because... I don't wear perfume and I don't like to be around people who wear perfume like it bothers me. 
So that being said, I do love, we have a real tree this year for the first time in years because we always have a plastic tree because we travel at the holidays and I don't want to leave a tree in the living room. And I do like walking out in the morning and smelling that Christmas tree. Mm. That's cozy. I love uh, Mm -hmm. little wood smoke, you know, on a fall day. That's a great smell. We got some Palo Santo incense. It's like little sticks of wood that has a really sweet smell. And you just light one end of it for like 10 seconds and then you blow it out and it sort of scents your room with a sort of like nice tree smell that's really pleasant, but it doesn't have that like cloying vanilla chocolate almond smoothie candle smell that's kind of too much because it's organic because it's real. I really like it. We had one year where we had a fake tree and I saw, I'm sure in Target, it was like sticks that you hung inside the tree. They were like little ornaments, but they were pine scent. And I was like, oh, that's nice because then we'll have the pine scent. And two days later, I had to take to my bed for like two days because I was overwhelmed by like that plasticky oh. pine scent. As much as I love, they weren't real. They were chemically pine scented. Right. Like air freshener in a car, pine scented. Yeah. I have that thing where like if I get in a taxi and I see that you know, tree hanging from the rearview mirror, that air freshener. I'm like, I got to get out. I can't. I have motion sickness and odor sensitivity. That's my hell. Like if I'm really bad in this life, I will be on an endless taxi ride with uh, air freshener because I can't handle it. I'm going to have you on my team to solve crimes because I don't have a super sniffer capability. Yeah, I'm like a human bloodhound. I'll be like... Oh, this person did it. They smell like trouble. You're the comic relief on the CSI <laughs> What Fresh Hell show. There you go. You're quirky. Like you'd have a crazy hairdo, right? And, and funny glasses. And you'd be like, da, 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 but you would be able to solve based on sense. What's a movie that when you come across, you have to watch it all the way through? Hmm. I guess, I mean, it's going to bore you, but I would say Napoleon Dynamite. Oh, that's right. You love Napoleon Dynamite. You know, I've still never seen it. Oh, I mean, why are we even recording this right now? You'd be the kind of thing like, oh, I love this part. Oh, I love this part. Because that's why I wouldn't be able to get up because the next part leads to the next part. Yes. Of Napoleon Dynamite. How about you? Shawshank Redemption. It's my favorite movie ever. I love it so much. My uh, son just had to watch that for he took a class in high school called Religious Themes in Film. So he learned about the religious themes in Shawshank Redemption. And it was one of these things where he's like, so I'm watching this movie? It was really good. What was it? Shawshank Redemption. I was so mad at myself that I hadn't thought of it for one of our sort of quarantine, let's watch a movie tonight kind of nights. Great movie. I've never watched it with my kids. It's older. I mean, it's a mature movie. Right. My son is 18 years old. That's right. I forget. I'm like, you're a little baby. No, he's 18. He's ready to watch Shawshank Mm -hmm. Redemption. Mm -hmm. I just find that movie so perfect because it is a serious movie that is like deep and dramatic and about things. And then spoiler alert, if you haven't watched Sasha Redemption, but it all works out. Okay. Like it's just the perfect movie. I love it. I love that movie. I could watch it a million times and never be bored of it. Turn down your Victrola because I'm um, spoiler alert. Listen, people, take out your ear horns. I'm about to say something controversial. That's a radio picture that has a very, very predictable <laughs> ending. <laughs> All right, Amy, what do you got for me? What is your favorite book that you read in 2020 that is not like for the podcast? It wasn't parenting related. We didn't talk about it on the show already. Can I just do what's my favorite book? Because otherwise I'll have to admit that I don't read anymore. I just watch Twitter. Yes. (laughs) I'm going to do my favorite book of all time. I have two. My two favorite books of all time. I think maybe we have them in the bookshop shop, but if not, we'll add them. I'm going to write them down in case I don't. Yes. Number one favorite book of all time is Life of Pi. 
I find that book to be absolute perfection. Yes. I love it so much. Have you read it twice? I've read it once. I haven't read it twice. I've read it like 74 times. I could probably recite it from memory. And it holds up to repeated. I just mean in the sort of sixth sense way when you go back and read it again. It's like, yes, it was all here the whole time. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I think so. I find that book, the experience of reading that book, it took me for people kept being like, this book is great. I read the first hundred pages like four times. Couldn't get into it. Didn't get it, you know? And then at some point, I can picture where I was reading it. I was lying in my bed in my studio apartment in Los Angeles, and I hit the tipping point of that book, and then I read it until like four o'clock in the morning. And I was gasping and like shrieking aloud. I just have rarely had an experience of reading a book that was that perfect. I felt that way about Room, which is a movie now. So now, like, and once the movie comes out, and I feel like Life of Pi is probably the same way. Once the movie is out and you kind of half know what it's about, it's not the same. But that book was unputdownable. I read it because you recommended it to me. It was a bop, as the kids say. You really couldn't put it down. Mm-hmm. My other book is Bel Canto, which is, and I should know who wrote it since it's my favorite book. It's Ann Patchett. It's Ann Patchett. Just one of the greatest books ever. And then my third, I have to put it in because I love it, is Rebecca. I love that book, too. Those are my three all-time favorites. Is Rebecca, was the Hitchcock movie based on the book? Yes. Oh. I've seen the movie, but I haven't read the book. Oh, my God. You have to read it. You really should read it. It's so good. Okay. I mean, now that you know what happens, a little less so, but it's so beautifully done. Oh, I love that book is perfection to me. Again, it's a romp. So I had that experience of like gasping during it. Like I just love something that catches me by surprise. I absolutely loved it. So I loved A Room Like That and Cat's Eye is a book by Margaret Atwood that I've read probably three times. I know your sister has also read it multiple times. We had a conversation about it once. It's about like girls and social aggression. Is that what you call it? Like bullying? Kind of. It's kind of about that. It's just one of those books like, yes, this is exactly what it's like to be a human in this situation. And I loved it. I don't know that I've read that. I think I read it as like an assignment in college. So I probably just like skimmed through it so I could pass the test kind of thing. I don't think I got into it. Loved it. Might have to revisit that one. Loved it. All right. One last burning question for you, Amy. Okay. Your house is on fire. I was going to say, like, what's another way? Because I didn't want to say your house was on fire. But it is. I'm sorry. Your house is on fire. Kids are out. Husband's out. Everyone's safe. What's the one thing you can go back for in your house? God. I mean, I hope not my, like, phone or my laptop, right? (laughs) (laughs) Probably. It probably is your laptop. Let's be honest. That's all there somewhere, right? It's all on the cloud. Until Google. Were you awake yesterday when Google went down for a couple of hours? No, I heard a lot about it, but I wasn't awake for it. Yeah, it was amazing because, as you say, it's like the kind of thing like, oh, there's no power. I'll just make a smoothie. I was like, like, okay, oh, well, I can't do our podcast stuff. So I'll just, you know, look at this college essay my son wanted me to check. Like everything you do. Oh, I'll just fill out the temperature form for my daughter's school. Nope. It was all on Google. Yeah. If that really happens to you, I'm concerned what you would do. Like, you, how would you go on? Cut off from your spreadsheets, Amy. My God. Right. It was like, oh, I thought Google was a backup. Not necessarily. So I would grab, this is so cliche, but it's, I think it's true. Our wedding album, because I got married long enough ago that I don't have those pictures like on my phone, right? Those are from a different time when the photographer sent us proofs and we looked at them. And and I just looked at my wedding album with my kids and my kids were like, oh my God, look at you. Look at this person. The people we're still friends with who were at our wedding, the people who have died, you know, like our kids really poured over it and it seemed like a long time ago for the first time. So I would grab that. That's fun. That's a good one. What would you grab? 
What would I grab? I guess probably now that you said wedding album, I hadn't really thought about it when I was asking you. I feel like that's like the thing you're supposed to say, but it, we just had this experience. So I, the other things that I would grab, like if I was going away and like I was like, this is the end times, I would grab my comfortable slippers. Like I cannot live without my feet being comfortable in slippers. You can't run in slippers. That's why this zombie apocalypse thing would just not work out. Well, do you know, recently I called Amy and I was like, oh, my God, I broke my foot. I'm on the way to the hospital. It turned out I had just sprained it really badly, but it was due to the slippers. I was wearing my slippers and I was like, my slippers have turned against me. This is the darkest of days. But I would still I have to have slippers. That's a must have item. I don't know that I'd grab them from a fire because I could probably just go to Target. I'm not like very particular about my slippers, (laughs) but I would if it was the end times and I had to get them back. That's what I would grab. Wow. Wow. I learned a lot about you today. Amy, I've never felt closer to you. Yeah. The questions have burned us and yet we have survived. You know, I'm going to do a shout out since we just talked about it to our bookshop bookstore. I'll put the link in the show notes, but you can also just go to bookshop.org and search for the What Fresh Hell shop. It's every guest we've ever had on the show, their books and just books that you and I really like. I throw on there. So I'm going to put these ones we mentioned today on there if they're not already. Oh, yeah. Put my top three on there if they're not on there. You know, and when you shop from there, you're supporting independent bookstores. You're doing a little bit of good. Love it. Guys, leave us a rating or a review, please. Yep. And find us anywhere on social media by Googling What Fresh Hell Podcast. We're out there as What Fresh Hell Cast or What Fresh Hell Podcast most places. And we will talk to you next week. So long. Hi there, I'm Andrea Owen, self-help author with 19 translations of my books, global keynote speaker, and life coach. My podcast, Make Some Noise, has been serving up self-help in a simple-to-digest way for the last decade. The topics brought in each episode are practical and easy to implement around topics such as working through fears that keep you stuck, different modalities of therapy, managing your negative self-talk, and more. We bring you guest experts, solo episodes, and I even coach listeners on the air around relatable struggles. I also do my best to weave my sense of humor into some heavy topics because let's face it, life can be pretty hard and it's so much better when we can have some fun while walking through our challenges. Whether you're seasoned in personal development or just starting out, Make Some Noise podcast will help you become the best version of yourself, the person you're proud of when you look in the mirror and show up in your life. Simply search Make Some Noise with Andrea Owen wherever you listen to your podcasts.